Good morning. Hi. So everybody got their hot tea? It's like winter again. So awesome. You know, rain is a blessing from the Lord. I was just thanking him for the rain this morning. I'm very excited about the message today. Are you guys excited? Okay, good. Um, if you're new this morning, welcome. We're glad you're here. Can you say, I'm kind of like, oh, look at the, the splash zone. It's filled up. Woo! I love it. It's good. I'll move back a little. <laughs> okay. Um, I am so excited, and the Lord totally just in confirmation. This message, I had so many things. Well, first of all, last week, right, we went through an entire overview of the whole book of Joshua, and you guys came back. Yay! My sister-in-law was like, you said the whole book of Joshua, and you weren't kidding. Like, we literally went through the whole book of Joshua. I'm like, yes, that's what I, yes. Um, And then if you guys remember, at the end of Deuteronomy, which we ended in our last little semester, Moses, who was leading the children of Israel, um, you know, to the promised land, he's not able to go in, and he has his, basically, he knows he's going to die. And the last words that he's starting to give to them, he goes through this whole thing about the blessings and the cursings. And, um, And then at the end, Joshua is like, choose this day whom you will serve, Um, You know, are you going to be a house that follows the Lord? Are you going to trust him? Are you going to go into the way of blessing? And so um, the Lord kind of said, we're going to do a a whole kind of study and look at um, the giants about blessings and cursings um, and those two things right there. So that's what this morning is going to be about. And last week was kind of just paving the way for that. Um, So, and I'm so excited. I was first, I have to admit, I, did, I was nervous um, because there's so much that I wanted to share. I don't want the word like, you know, cursings to freak people out. I want you, this is my prayer, I prayed it for you all this morning, um, to walk out of the room after your table time, after the Bible study, we just had some great, awesome worship, um, walking out feeling in, empowered, I want you to feel emboldened. I want you right now to let hope start rising up inside of you to say no to unbelief and doubt and fear because this is a choice that you get to participate in um, and, and to start to let those things, I mean, literally like hope start rising up in you. And it was so wild because while I'm praying that in our prayer time before we come in here, I'm literally, my phone is blowing up and I'm the one looking at the time so that we don't just pray through the Bible study and I never get up here and do the message. So I'm like, oh, it's time. And so I see on my phone and it's just blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. And um, I'm in a group text and literally we prayed for, he said I could use his name, my uncle Ron Harper yesterday at church because he got two blood tests that showed that he was very, very, very sick in his liver off the charts. I mean, this man is healthy. He loves the Lord. He, there, there's no reason that anything should be wrong with his liver physically, but literally was denied insurance because they're like, you're sick. Like, this is not good. And so he grabbed us. I mean, I was talking to someone and he literally grabbed me out of that conversation, lay hands and pray over me. And while 
we're praying this morning, and I'm going, Lord, I pray that hope starts rising up in the women that come and hear this study, that will hear it tonight, that will archive this message, that will send it to their friends so that they listen to this message. Hope start rising up in you, um, that God wants to do things um, in your family, in your health, in your uh, portion that God has for you in the promised land, for your generations that come after you. And I'm praying that, and his tests all came back completely and totally miraculously normal today. And I'm going, I mean, he's completely healthy and fine. And the doctor's freaking out going, I don't understand how this, like, it's a total miracle. And he was sitting in um, our house after church, you know, we, we went to my mom and dad's and we were, you know, having lunch together and all this stuff. And, um, and he's like, I am a miracle, I believe. And so we were laughing. And he's like... Ron Harper, as a miracle, you know, it's like God heals. He is still the God who heals. He, he is, um, you know, Jehovah Rapha, he heals. Um, and uh, then another testimony this morning came in that um, from a friend who was in the prayer group. And um, her husband was asked to, to call and pray um, for another, for, you know, someone that they know. And he's, complete, he's sick, you know, they, they say there's not a lot of hope physically for him, but he's completely and totally new age. And so this man who is a believer calls his friend, and it's a totally different, amazing, miraculous story. He actually gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ and said that he is Lord, and he is Savior. There is no other God but him and that he's the way, the truth, and the life, like we were just singing. So another complete miracle, whether the physical healing comes. And that happened yesterday, too. So that was all Sunday. And that was all given to me in testimony. And I asked my uncle, I'm sitting on the ground just like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, I'm going to tell your testimony. I won't say your name. He's like, use my name. Ron Harper's a miracle. And I was like, <laughs> so I did. <laughs> It makes me want to cry. It's so cool. God is so good. So let hope start rising up in you for what God wants to do. There's, there's power um, in the name of Jesus. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, Father God, we just welcome, welcome, welcome you. We praise you. We lift your name on high. We set our heart, our attention and our focus and our adoration on you, Lord God. We thank you for the power of testimony. Even people listening to the testimonies right now, Lord, I know that the, the, the definition, that when you say testify of what God has done, it's meaning do it again. That, that I've even had miracles happen and healings. And, and even, you know, we're talking about healing and, and salvation. So, Lord, we just pray for healings in this room right now. We pray for salvations for people that, that, that are being prayed over in this room. We pray that their hearts right now by the power of the Holy Spirit would be open and quickened to the realization that you are Lord and, and that nothing else um, saves but Jesus, the name of Jesus, that the person of Jesus, the Son of the living God who took away our sins, Lord, who died in our place and then rose on the third day so that we might have life in you. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this family and this community, Lord God. We're not meant to do life alone. And I pray that right now, any hearts that are discouraged or distracted, that you would hear not my words, but the words 
of the Lord Jesus Christ himself through the word of God and, and that hope would start rising. Allow yourself, give yourself permission to let hope rise in you, to hear what God by his spirit wants to speak to every heart and every mind in this room this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so already, you know. So we're talking about overcoming giants in your land this morning. You know, once, remember, this is all a picture for us in the spirit, what happened in the Old Testament. It's for our admonition. It's for us to learn from them. It's to put another layer on top of it. It's to say that it doesn't happen one time, but that remember the circle patterns here. And it's a picture and a shadow and a type for you and I. So we've got this promised land that God has for us, and that's what we're overcoming giants in our, in our land. And so once we've moved out of Egypt, remember, that's a picture of being saved, right? Powerfully by the hand of the Lord. There they were in slavery. They were in bondage for 400 years. This is generations. And the Lord comes and moves them out of Egypt. Um, because, And then, okay, a Christian, picture this too. Get, get, God gives us beautiful imagery to really help teach us things and let them land. So picture that Egypt being taken out by the mighty hand of God and signs and wonders and the miraculous. They couldn't do it themselves. God did it for them. That's the only way that you and I can be out of bondage, slavery, and death is by the mighty hand of God and what Jesus Christ did, right, for us on the cross. And then you have the, the wilderness experience. A Christian is not to stay wandering in the wilderness. Hear me. You are not meant to be wandering around in the wilderness. The most unhappy person in the world is the wilderness Christian. Trust me. Remember how I tell my kids all the time that they're screwed because they know the truth. They know they've tasted the reality of the goodness of God in the land of the living. And if they try to have one foot in the world and one foot in the Lord, they are the most miserable people on the face of the planet. You will be. So, so the, you know, we're out of Egypt, but not yet in Canaan, in that promised land that's flowing with milk and honey. This is a, a picture of, of some Christians and where they're at in their walk. Uh, in the promised land, there's a rest that he says you are to enter into for those who follow Christ Jesus. Those, though, uh, it, it, picture it. They're out of slavery. They're out of slavery, but they're not walking in and experiencing the rest and the blessings that God has for them. That's the wilderness Christian. And if that is describing you, that is not your destiny. That is not your portion. That is not the best that God has for you. He wants you to get out of that wilderness experience. And God has made a clear way through the wilderness. And listen, it's really simple. Jesus does not want anything to be overly complicated. He said it's so, it's so simple that even a child can understand and walk into salvation. Um, and, and so it, it's, it's as simple as this. What did he do throughout, throughout the wilderness? He led them. He was guiding them. He supernaturally provided for them, and it was as they followed and as they obeyed and as they trusted that God literally 
by a cloud would, would lead them by day, shielding them from the sun, fire by night, keeping them warm, keeping the animals away. He provided, but it was as they followed him, as they just simply trusted and obeyed. We are the ones who make it overcomplicated. We'll get into that kind of stuff uh, as we keep going, but I, I, we're only halfway through page one. So, um, but trusting, and what would they do? They continually turned and complained. They continually doubted. They continually, you know, uh, blamed God um, as he was providing supernaturally for them, as they literally, I mean, sandals were not breaking. Uh, Water would come from rocks. Quail would lay low on the ground for them to eat manna in the morning. Um, And what would they say? You've brought us out to kill us. And so if you're saying, you've brought me out to kill me, Lord, and you're in that wilderness experience, the Lord is going, I've provided, I've done, and the way is that you trust me, you, you, you believe in my goodness, and you start speaking over your heart, over your mind, over your family, over your finances, over your health, all those kinds of things, that you have not brought me out to kill me, but you have brought me out of Egypt so that I can be brought in to the promised land. Do you see? There's a flip right there. You have brought me out to bring me in. So then, uh, one in their walk, they get to the edge of that promised land. And before you, I want you to picture there lies promises and promises of God. And it's in that limitless horizon of your place of blessing and victory. It's literally written over, you know, you go, you don't know me, you don't know my family, you don't know my upbringing, you don't know the thoughts that I think, you don't know what I've done. I speak the truth over you right now. The Lord has a promised land portion for each and every one of you. And your experience and your own thoughts about yourself and your own emotions and your own upbringing and whatever you're bringing is not more powerful than my God and his love. And you need to submit yourself to the truth of the word of God over your experience or your limited understanding because he has a destiny and he has a purpose for each and every single one of you in Jesus Christ, in Yeshua. This is truth I am speaking over you. And your spirit, trust me, is responding and resonating with this right now. I guarantee it. You see, some believers, they, they talk about, and you'll hear this entering into a rest, like a, a peace, a shalom of God. And, and you hear maybe some mature Christians talk about it or something's different about this person right here. And you just want to kind of be around that person or you have a problem and you always want to run and talk to that person. They've figured something out about this arrest that the Lord says, I have for you to enter into. That's a picture of the promised land. Or maybe you've experienced ministry of other people and for a moment you feel that rest. Sometimes I'll pray with people and they go, I feel like I'm floating. Am I floating? And you're like, no, you're not floating. But that's the shalom of God. You just experience the shalom and the peace of God. And guess what? He wants you to not just experience that through ministry and the laying on of hands from someone else. He wants you to be able to walk in that as this is who you are and anchored in that no matter what storm is going on around outside of you, you have that peace and shalom inside. 
you know, you hear or you, you start to see the fruits of the Spirit, you know, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and maybe you taste it a little bit. But the Lord goes, I want that to be flowing in something that you are actually living in at all times connected to my Spirit. But it's, it's, it's time for you and I to enter in and claim what is actually ours. Too much of the church looks exactly like the world, except they have their ticket to heaven. And I am just so tired of it. I want what God has for my life first, and then I want to drag every one of you with me into what your portion is. And I want you to break things in your generations. I don't want what you had to deal with in your life to be what your next generation has to deal with. And for you to be equipped in the word of God by his spirit to actually break those things. And that their portion, they take even more land than you took. But it's participant. We all, do do you understand what I'm saying? Do you get the pictures and the analogies here? You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. So you're looking at that promised land, and that's one thing. People can talk about the promised land. They can describe it to you. They can say it looks like this. They can preach about it. But actually entering into it is a totally different thing entirely because we know that when they saw the land up close and personal, what did they find in the land? Giants in the land. There were giants And we looked last week that they were literal giants, Nephilim. Literal, real, weird (laughs) giants in the land. And those giants are a picture of what wants to frustrate you in your walk with God and draw you off the path of righteousness that he has for you. Intimidation and fear, all those kinds of things. These giants that every Christian literally will encounter— So I'm telling you right up front, the Lord told us from the beginning, I've got a portion for you, but there's squatters in the land that belongs to you. But I'm telling you up front, it's not like, surprise, there's giants. It was like, I'm telling you right now, there are giants in your portion. What are you going to do? There's a choice every single step of the way. Are you just going to look at that promised land from the distant and the vista view, Or are you going to go in and face those giants? Every Christian has to deal with these giants to live victoriously in the promised land. Look, Jesus accomplished in paying in full the cost of sin when he died for our sins. He purchased our salvation. You are blood bought by him. He literally writes his name across your forehead. You're inscribed on the palm of his hand. Literally, though, salvation in Greek means wholeness, soundness in every area of your life. So we have limited in our understanding when Jesus Christ, what did he purchase for you and I on the cross? We make it just our ticket to heaven and, and that's it. That, and we even make the promised land, it's heaven. When the Lord is going, no, the promised land is what is the portion for every believer in Jesus Christ now, this side of heaven, before we see him face to face. So we have to learn things. This is all training for what is going to be in the future with the Lord. Because you are a king and you are a priestess in Jesus Christ and you will rule and reign with him. This is training ground, you guys. And the Lord does not set you up for tests so that you fail. He sets you up so you will be victorious in him. 
When he brings a test your way, it is because he says, I've given you everything pertaining to life and godliness, Annie. I have already provided the way. I know you can actually pass this test in me. I don't set you up to fail. I'm a good father. But if you do choose to retake the test, I will provide that for you also. So the whole thing about wholeness and soundness, that that picture of salvation, it's not just about going to heaven and getting your Willy Wonka, you know, I got the golden ticket thing. Body, soul, spirit. But we, we don't enter into a full measure of that victory. Listen, instantaneously. The giants that we encounter in our lives are conquered by systematically reclaiming that which Jesus' finished work on the cross accomplished and belongs to every single believer in this room. There's going to be another new giant. Once I pass one test, then the Lord goes, and now we're ready for, to take this land, and there's a different giant in this portion. But look what we did here, Aunt Elizabeth. Now get up, and let's go look forward, and we're going to conquer now this. It's systematic. It's continued. It's going on ever in front. And the Lord goes, I've already done it for you, but I want you to partner with me because I don't want little baby child, like, you know, for the rest of, I want to mature you and grow you up into the full stature of Jesus Christ, my son. We have some work to do. Let's go. And he takes you by the hand and he leads you into that next portion, that next land, that next giant to conquer. Joshua 3.10 Um, It says, hereby you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will, uh, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites, giants who stood before them. These, okay, so what are the giants? The giants according to the enemy, that's Satan's plan, to block you from the path of what God has for you, to keep you outside of your portion and the fullness of what Jesus has already purchased for you at the cross. He says, I don't want you to have your full inheritance. I want you to be a weak, anemic Christian, where you have no power, you don't understand your authority, and you have no idea what salvation and what being blood-bought by Jesus Christ actually means in your life today. Those are his favorite kinds of Christians. And then he messes with you over and over again, and he keeps you from actually walking into the inheritance that God has over your life. So, God gave us, as his kids, this picture book to learn spiritual truths in the Old Testament. So unbelief, listen to this, unbelief, not giants, defeated God's people. And unbelief, not your problems, will defeat you today. They did not enter into the rest, it tells us in the New Testament, because of unbelief. This is the thing that will keep you from your portion and your inheritance. That word right there, unbelief. That is what the enemy wants to keep you in. Joshua 13.1 says, Now Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said unto him, There remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Joshua's old. He's the one that actually got into the land, started portioning it out to the tribes. But you guys, literally, there was still so much more land that the Lord God had given to the children of Israel. 
you never get to the end of your portion. That is good news. Amen? You never say, I arrived. The Lord goes, oh, there's more over the hill and over there. You can't quite see it, Annie, but if you trust me, let's go. There's more land. There's more blessing. There's more abundant life that Jesus Christ promised for you to have. The Israelites won a ton of battles, but they did not ever possess their full inheritance. It is so sad. Numbers 33, 55 says, listen to this, but if you will not drive out the inhabitants, so those giants, if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain of them, they're going to be pricks in your eyes. They're going to be thorns in your side. They will vex you in the land wherein you dwell. So he's like, I'm telling you like it is. I'm giving you everything. There's giants in the land, but I've already fought. I've already defeated them. You just have to actually believe and trust me and not be in unbelief and complain against me and say, I'm trying to kill you. It's like, no, I'm trying to actually give you life. I'm trying to give it to you more abundantly. In fact, remember Joshua and Caleb said that the giants are our bread. They nurture us. They make us grow. They strengthen us. They are our sustenance because we will go and devour them and kick them out of the promised land because of the one who promised it to us. But, but here we see if you don't drive them out, which is a choice, you do not have to drive the giants out of your land. You can hunker and bunker and just wait until you see Jesus face to face with your little golden ticket and getting to, you know, heaven And then you're going to look at the one who loved you and gave everything for you. And you're going to realize, why didn't I trust him? Why was I in fear? Why? Because your love will be literally looking at you. And you're going to go, why didn't I follow? Why didn't I? It just, it won't make any, you, you want to take this land. And if you don't, these giants that you leave, they will literally, it says, prick your eyes, thorns in your side, vex you in the land that you dwell. Christians settle for partial victory all the time. You have your salvation, but you settle to live in close proximity to your largest problems. You settle for less than God's best. You live intimidated. You live uncomfortable. You are always wondering why trouble seems to just follow me around. Why, God, why? And he's like, because you let a giant live right next to you. And I told you in the word that if you don't kick them out, they're going to poke your eye and poke your side and vex you in the land. (laughs) I told you why. Don't come ask me why trouble seems to follow you around. I just told you. Joshua 1.3 says that every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given to you. But guess what that means? Okay, so if, if the promise is every place that the sole of your foot touches, I've given to you, I have to actually set my foot on that place. And unless I start walking and advancing forward, if I just stand still, then there's my portion in my land that the Lord, you know, he goes, I've given all of that. But you have to walk it out. You have to walk it out. Christian, you must advance, and it's one step at a time. Ah, the enemy loves to make people feel completely overwhelmed when they start to understand these things like, oh, I have so much territory to take. I've been one of those Christians she's talking about. It all is me. And then they're sad and they're defeated before they even take a step because there's like, it's so much land. (laughs) And there's so many giants. And you're like, one step at a time. 
but you said this and this in your message, and oh my God, and they're overwhelmed and they're defeated before they take one step because it's one step at a time. You spent an entire lifetime getting to the place where you are and the mess that you're in right now and generations before you, and you think it's just gonna be a zapping when the Lord goes, I am into relationship, and I'm not leaving you to do it by yourself or in your own power or in your own strength. You will be defeated if you do it that way. But by being overwhelmed, by even just getting the information and knowledge, no, it's one step at a time. And then he says, I've given you that land, every place that the sole of your foot treads upon. God records the names of seven major enemies, giants who inhabit the promised land in the names of God. Um, it literally reveals something about these spiritual enemies. So what, we, what I'm very excited and into is I like discipleship. I don't want you, if you've noticed, to just come to the man of God and be prayed for and zoop, and it's like, and you have no idea why you were there in the first place. You don't know what to do afterward. You don't know how to hold your ground once you get it. I want you guys to be equipped and be discipled in a lifetime of advancing in the things of God. Um, I want you to be able to know why you're here, how you take the next step, how to hold it, and then how to give it away to someone else in your family, in your proximity, your barista at Starbucks, whatever, all of them. So, okay, here you have, we need to understand and discern, and we got to grow up and know the devices and the schemes and the tactics of the enemy, and that you have an enemy. Most of the time we wake up and we're like, la, 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 and brush our teeth, and we have no idea that there's a complete cosmic and spiritual battle that is taking place for you every single day, and that you are in war. You're like, I'm just in Bible study. You are in war. You are in war, and we are ignorant of our enemy, and the Lord and the Word of God tells us, I don't want you to be ignorant of the rulers of darkness of this world. That's what Ephesians tells us. So in these names, when you translate our giants, it's so funny, the names of the giants are common to every single one of us. So, you know, some giants, like your giant is really bad. Like, you're just a bad one. No, we all, there's no temptation, you know, that man has that, that Jesus Christ himself didn't, like, accomplish without sin, and we all have these things in our lives, and we're supposed to help one another. But listen to, okay, remember, so the Girgashites and the Hittites and the blah, 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 and you're like, wow, that's a lot of ites. Those names, when they're translated, actually mean something, and they're telling us what our giants are that we face. Listen to what they're translated. Fear. That's the Hittites. You don't have to write this down. You guys will know all these things. I'll, I'll give you the keys at the end. Fear, despair, doubt, accusation. Anybody deal with accusation? Oh, you guys are all liars in here. Everybody raise your hand right now. <laughs> the accuser of the brethren. Intimidation, flesh, condemnation, finances. Isn't that interesting? Again, 2 Corinthians 2.11 tells us not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, his methods, his practices, his ways, in how he tries to destroy you. The devil is a liar. I caught one of my kids in a lie the other day. Actually, it was yesterday. And I said, who is the father of lies? Satan. <laughs> Satan. <laughs> yes. Who is truth? Father's. He says, truth, Jesus. God is truth. He is truth. 
when you speak lies, which father do you look like? Yeah, so we've got to start to realize these kinds of things, you guys. The devil is a liar, and he is accuser of the brethren, meaning you. John 10.10 says he comes as a thief. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy, and he is trying to make deals with you every single day, every single moment. Blessings or cursings, life or death, light or darkness. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. And it's a moment-by-moment choice. His kingdom of darkness consists, listen, to bitterness, accusation, envy, jealousy, fear, anxiety, stress, anger, hostility, rejection. Oh, I hate rejection, that spirit. Shame, unloving spirits, self-hate, occultism, addictions. That is his kingdom. That is what makes up Satan's kingdom. The Lord told Moses to tell his kids, and you and I today, Deuteronomy 30, 19, I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose. There's that word, choose life. You see that your war is not with others or even with yourself, but there is a hidden kingdom of principalities, powers, rulers, darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. So you think you're yelling and fighting with your husband when really there's a spirit that's working behind the scenes and and that's who you're actually fighting against. We don't even know who our enemy is, you guys. And he's like, yes, perfect. We get defeated right there. They don't think they're in a war. Yes, perfect. They don't know the power or the portion that they have in Jesus. Yes, perfect. So the enemy wants to actually have you be conformed into his image when you're angry or when you're jealous you know you're you're talking about someone gossiping behind their back you're complaining about this and that and murmuring against the lord and how he hasn't provided and blah 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 blah. and which father and which kingdom are you now representing and being a mouthpiece for kingdom of darkness And you go, I don't understand what you're saying. Peter himself, in one sentence, standing in front of Jesus Christ, you know, here on the earth, he says, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he goes, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter. That was not your own idea, buddy. That was God speaking through you right now. Because you would not have gotten that without revelation from my Father. And then in the next sentence, when Jesus is saying that the Son of Man is going to be like basically you know, killed and raised up, he goes, no, Lord, not so. And what does Jesus say to him? He goes, get behind me, Satan. It was in the next breath. We got to start catching these things, being conscious of these things, noticing these things. We want to be conformed into Christ's image, the image of life. Hosea 4, 6 says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We get attacked in our whole man. It's not just in your soul. It's not, you know, just your spirit, but your body also. All of these are signs and indicators of things that are going on, and we need to start to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to connect these things with what our thoughts are. What are we, what are we watching? What are we listening to? What are we meditating on? What are we, and, and you will actually, it's like a barometer of what's going on. I call the body like the dashboard of the car. We need some oil, Annie. We need some oil. You're running a little low on air in this tire over here. Headache, tension, tension, tension. 
Why do I have a tension headache? Oh, I'm stressing out and anxious about X, Y, Z. It's like the dash on the car. It starts telling you. And then, oh, wait a minute. The Lord tells me in his word to be anxious for? What am I going to do? Okay, so we'll keep going. Okay, 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 okay. So, may the God of all peace sanctify you wholly, First Thessalonians. Uh, is this, I can't read my own writing. I think 523. Holy is not, it's W-H-O-L-L-Y. Spirit, soul, and body. Know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. John 8, 32. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 2. It says, and it shall come to pass if you listen and obey the voice of the Lord. And then it goes on, all these blessings. Bop, 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 bop. That word if, very powerful. That is your choice and your free will right there. Then Deuteronomy 28, 15 starts out. But you, oh, but it shall come to pass if. And then you don't do those things. And then it lists all these cursings. This is not about legalism. This is not about you, you know, uh, you cannot save yourself. You must be saved by the Lord. But then from that point, we are being sanctified. We're being changed. We're growing into his likeness. He says, now my spirit is inside of you. And the whole point is a heart change to understand the word of the Lord because it's truth and then the truth sets you free. So you no longer say, I have to read my Bible. You say, that's where life is and I'm transformed and blessings are in that land and actually will materialize in the physical if I obey him. So now I don't have to do this. This isn't a law. This isn't legalism. This isn't guilt. This isn't, you know, all those kinds of, but it's literally, I get to. And now his laws are literally written on your heart because you start to understand the truth. It's the thing that sets me free. It's the very antidote. I heard a cheesy joke. Um, it's the goss pill that you, you know, need to take instead of your pill. And it's so cheesy. That's like a Sean joke. Um, Deuteronomy 5.10, God says, I'll show mercy to them that love me and keep my commandments. Jesus told his disciples, you're like, that's in the Old Testament, Annie. Jesus told his disciples, John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. In Deuteronomy 28, the curse list, listen, you guys, it has diseases in there, it has syndromes in there, it has depression listed in those things, anxiety, it has family discord, it has job loss in that list. So it literally means like the whole of your life gets to be, you know, there's, there's an open door for the enemy to attack you when you're not following the Lord. One of the words for curse, listen, is vilification. I learned this recently. Vilification, villain at its root for the word curse. Who is the villain? Satan. Satan is the villain. A curse, listen to this, is also an abatement of the blessing. It's a lessening or a reduction of the blessing of the Lord. When Adam and Eve first ate of the, you know, the tree um, that they weren't supposed to eat of, and th the thing was that they were going to die, right? Did they physically die immediately when they ate? No. So the Lord, he is merciful. He is slow to anger. He's like, please, like choose life. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And we're like, no. And we choose, we choose the other. We, we continually. There, there, it's, it's, so it's not even like I'm taking away everything because we've already talked about this so many times. The very fact that your heart is beating is because 
God wills that your heart would beat. You cannot make it beat. So you are on this planet because the Lord goes, I will it. And I will it because I love you. And I want to be in a relationship with you. And I want to bless you. But I need you to choose to follow because I'm not going to make you follow me because love always has a choice. And I am love. But I also am just and I am truth. And so I have to judge sin. And so you have this choice set in front of you. What are you going to choose? And he goes, even in the cursings, it's an abasement of the blessing, meaning just a lessening of the blessing. It's not just like, you know, because he's going at any moment, at any day, my mercies are new morning. By morning, you can turn direction. Just call out to me. I mean, it's really powerful, really, really beautiful. Um, and, and listen to this first, Proverbs 26, 2, a curse cannot land unless it has a cause a cause. Galatians 3.13, Jesus became a curse for us by his death on a cross. In the resurrection, though, he made it possible for us to live in righteousness and in wholeness, this side of heaven. Write this down. Um, You should have sheets of paper on your tables, and just as a note, the enemy only has as much effect in our lives as we give to him. The enemy only has as much effect in your lives as you give to him, as you give permission And how do you give him permission in your life is through disobedience to God's word. Because you guys, listen, God's law reflects his righteousness. He is, God is love, God is good, God is justice, but God also forgives. God is faithful. He wants to write that law and that new covenant in our hearts. Proverbs 40, verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. And then Hebrews 8.10, I will put my law into their mind and I will write it in their heart and I will be to them a God and they shall be my people. So when there's sin, listen, such as unforgiveness. When there is sin in your heart, such as unbelief, we should repent of that sin, turn from it. As Jesus said, and sin no more. He goes, Go and sin no more. Although, although okay, no, I'm not going to do that part yet. So the, the Lord allows us to be renewed in his grace and in his mercy in that simple repentance, the act of recognizing it, bringing it into the light, bringing it to him, not hiding in shame, but coming boldly into his throne room of grace and mercy where you are welcomed and saying, I am sorry, take this from me and cover it in the blood of the Lamb of Jesus. It's as simple as that. But how much of the time do we not even realize that we're walking in unbelief? We don't recognize it. We don't realize. We say, well, this anxiety is common to everyone. You know, um, I have to catch myself all the time. My son is in Borneo. And it's like, I, you, I could get you all to be on my side to be freaking out about Noah being in Borneo right now. And you would condone my anxiety. And we could all be scared together. We could talk about all the horrible things that might happen to Noah and Borneo. Because <laughs> I'm a good mom. That makes me a good mom to worry about my son, doesn't it? How can you not worry? Do you not care? Ah, do you see how the enemy works? Did you catch what I just said? I mean, I could give you lots of examples, but I, I got to keep going. Okay. Okay, so... It's a daily journey, you guys. Don't allow the evil kingdom to be fulfilled through you. 
in guilt, in fear, in bitterness. God holds us responsible for allowing what was defeated on the cross to manifest through you. (laughs) You don't have to obey unforgiveness. You don't have to obey anger. You don't have to obey fear. You don't have to obey lust. You don't have to obey anything that is not God's nature that tries to get you to act in sin because you can choose to forgive. Do you know that forgiveness is a choice? Forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person rectifying the situation and making it right. We have a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. It is a power that God has given to the body of Christ and Satan has tried to take it from us. But repentance and forgiveness are not dirty words. They are powerful words. And so when you forgive, it is a choice. It has nothing to do with feelings. And also has nothing to do with the person even wanting the forgiveness. Would you please forgive me? It's actually you going, I choose to forgive this person. I choose to lay this offense that they have done to me and bring it to the foot of the cross. And then all of a sudden, that place where the enemy had over you, it's like you slammed the door on his face and the blood of Jesus covers it and he can't go in that door anymore. Powerful, powerful repentance. Repentance is a powerful gift that God, we should be forgiving and repenting all the time because it's awesome. And it keeps you free and it gets you into the land more and more and it conquers those giants right away. Sean's going to talk about it, I think, this week. Blessed are those who are not easily offended by me. Such a great message. And John the Baptist and Jesus, and oh, it's so good. We don't understand how much offense we pick up through the day. Oh, she looked at me like that. She doesn't like me. She doesn't like my pants. (laughs) We make up the weirdest stuff. Look at her face. And the reality is she has gas. (laughs) She likes your pants. She wants to know where you bought them. But some of you have real offenses. I mean, I have some pretty powerful, amazing testimonies where it's like in the natural, yes, you should, you could hold this offense. What that, what your dad did to you and what happened in your childhood and ah, 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 ah. And then guess who is now under all of that and carrying it. It doesn't hurt the other person. It's an open door for the enemy to mess with you in your life and in your generations. Because Lord Jesus Christ said, I already paid for that sin. And you can't actually carry the weight of that on you. It's killing you. It's actually destroying your body too. It brings all sorts of disease. All this, when we carry bitterness, anger, resentment, jealousy, and the Lord goes, bring it to me, child, let go, cover it in the blood, do not carry. So repentance is just that turning around and going, ooh, I just stepped into to fear or anxiety, and I'm worrying about how's this going to work out when you tell me don't be anxious or fearful of anything, but to cast my cares on you and that you actually care about me. So Lord, here's what's going on, and I'm going to bring it to you, and I'm going to leave Noah in your lap where he's safe, where you can be with him because I'm not in Borneo right now. Example, whatever. 2 Timothy 2, 25 through 26, it says, recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. 
Now, that is to believers, meaning that believers can be in the snare of the devil. Um, By believing and doing God's word, we actually can be recovered out of the snare of the devil. And here's the thing, you guys. Stop chasing symptoms. Get to the root of the problem, sin. And you go, oh, like, why are you just, it's like so abrasive, it's a sin. Well, do you want to get better? That's the answer. Like, deal. Deal with this. And it's not condemning. The enemy comes and condemns you. And then the Lord Jesus Christ says, as soon as we can turn this thing inside out and you call it sin what it is and you deal with it and put the word of God over it and the blood of the lamb and you start thinking the way that I'm thinking, you get set free. So the conviction of the Holy Spirit means you actually belong to him and you're one of his kids and he loves you. And he says, don't stay in this torment any longer, child. It is not for my kids. Um, so Satan is the one who condemns you, but the Holy Spirit convicts you to bring you out and into the promised land. We're being changed into the image of Jesus Christ. And the scripture says that it's a present tense, I'm sorry, present progressive tense, meaning it's ongoing. It's daily sanctification. Okay. So how's everybody doing? Okay. So I want you, you guys have that sheet and that I want you to be able to take home, um, because at the bottom of it, I just want you to write down two more scriptures, Philippians 4.8. Just write that reference down. You can look it up later. And then um, Proverbs 23.7. Um, and Philippians 4.8 actually talks about, um, uh, there's as a, well, think on these things. Think on these things. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are of a good report. Uh, think on these beautiful, lovely things. We have got to start catching ourselves in what we are dwelling on. Because then um, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So, you know, if, if, if you're thinking, you know, I mean, we think all sorts of, of thoughts. And here's the thing, you guys. Both God and Satan want their ideas to be stored in your long-term memory. Whatever I'm finding out, memories, how we remember things is whatever you're dwelling on, like a lot, and you meditate on a lot, becomes stored in your long-term memory. It actually becomes a part of who you are. Um, If it's something that you don't think about a lot, you know, then it doesn't become part of your stored long-term memory, meaning a part of who you are. Are you guys following? So Satan, he wants his thoughts to become a part of your long-term memory. When it becomes a part of your long-term memory, it starts having actually biological effects and manifesting in who you are. You know, um, if you're just saying, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, I'm so stupid, I'm so stupid, I'm stupid, I'm so and you and you repeat that message over and over and over, you start to actually believe that. And then and then the enemy starts to get an inroad in there and then starts to help because you start hearing that voice making really stupid choices. When the Lord goes, No, you're brilliant, you're a reflection of who I am. You're my daughter. You're my kid. And I have wisdom for you. Wisdom from on high because I am wisdom that I want to give to you to bring you clarity, to bring you into more of that promised land of that abundant life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm ti- Do you ever wake up? I'm tired. I'm so tired. And now it's in your bones. And oh, my bones are tired. 
I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. And then someone's like, wow, you look tired. And you're like, <laughs> so mean to me. And now you have another, they don't like me, they don't, I'm tired and they don't like me and I'm tired and they don't like me. And, uh, and it turns into syndromes and it turns into physical manifestations in your body and it turns into all these things and then you have counseling appointments and it's really sad and then we're like, God gave you all. Listen to this message a million times. Okay, so thoughts, um, uh, you know, again, they have biological effects in the body. Fear, fear, fear. We're not supposed to have fear. There is the fear of the Lord, but that's not the, the, the okay, you'll look it up. Fear is a spirit. Do you, you, you've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power of love and sound mind. So, you know, when we open the, fear is the biggest thing biggest. It's like just anytime you start to slip into fear, do you know that instantly your body starts like doing all these crazy things and cortisol gets released and this and that, and you step out of this peaceful place of the way that your body's supposed to be working in a natural state, and it just jacks you up and opens door for all sorts of things to take place in your life? Seriously. Like, but I'm afraid all the time. And that's when we start coming and submitting our fear to the Lord, when we submit ourselves to God and we say, you have not given me a spirit of fear, but you have given me power, love, and a sound mind. You, you start submitting your feelings. I submit my feelings to you, my emotions. They feel real, but your truth brings me life. So what do you have to, oh, I'm in, I, I, you, your love, it covers me. Your love casts fear out. This is a, a spirit that this isn't me. This is the enemy attacking me. And you've given me the right to say no more fear in the name of Jesus. Do, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. The fear. Close the door on fear. And then the last little key, because I want you to be able to walk out, listen to this message a million times, but I want you to have a few little um, tools um, the biggest thing is um, the breakdown in relationships. That's how the enemy gets inroads into your life and those giants that we've talked about and all those kinds of squatting on your land. It's the breakdown in relate because our God is a father. It's all about a family. You've got a son. You know, it's, it's like we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's all about family with the Lord. So um, relationship. So breakdown in your relationship, A, with God and then with others, and then with yourself. When there is a breakdown in relationship with God, others, and yourself, it gives a place for the enemy to work in your life, which is a really easy way to start. This is all like, whoa, overwhelming. Listen to this part. Breakdown in your relationship with God, so how you think about God, how you relate to God, with others, and then with yourself. Um, and how is our relationship restored with God? It's through repentance. I am actually really mad at you, Lord, because you didn't do it the way that I thought. And you're honest about it. And I repent. And I'm sorry because you're good and you know more than me. And I'm your kid and you're teaching me and I want to trust you. I'm mad at you because you didn't do it in the timing that I wanted. Or you didn't do, I mean... 
you guys, people, you don't understand. You have, we, we, we have a skewed view of who God is. God is mean. He's judging me. He's that, no, God wants to bless you. God wants to love you. He wants to lavish them upon you. He wants to overtake you with blessings. <laughs> to, to, have you ever been in that place before? You have so much goodness, God. Stop, stop, stop. And then it's like, wait, no, no, no. I don't mean that. Keep going. Ah. See, I've, I've had that. I was like, shoot, no, I repent. Uh, I want more, but I don't know if I can handle it right now. It's so good. You're so good. So a breakdown in your relationship with God and how you, how you rectify that is you are aware of it and you restore it through repentance and um, we receive his forgiveness because of what Jesus did. And we cast down every thought that is not from him. We cast down every thought that is not from him. You need to start to recognize that not all of your thoughts are your own thoughts, but that the enemy also will try to put his thoughts inside your head and make you think that they're your thoughts. (laughs) And they're not always your thoughts, but the enemy trying to make you own those thoughts and then actually become one with those thoughts. And the Lord says, cast them down. I've given you the power to do that. So our relationship with others, it's restored when we repent, when we forgive them, or we ask for forgiveness and we cast out hatred and malice. We, we, we choose not to be easily offended. We choose um, to, to love. We choose to forgive because now we understand what forgiveness actually is and that it's a choice and not based on feelings because our feelings... Um, betray us and they change all the time. So we submit to uh, the truth. And then this is a big one that people don't normally understand um, in the church, but a breakdown in relationship with yourself. Many people struggle with self-hatred, self-rejection, a belief that they're unlovable. But would that be exactly everything that is the opposite of what God and his truth says about you? Well, of course, you know, she... And, oh, the blessings, and, oh, look at that over there. But me? No. And I've watched it over and over again, people not receiving the gospel for themselves. It works for you, but not for me. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. And the Lord is saying, you need to change that. You need to say, I do not partner with that thought. I feel this, but I am submitting this to you, Lord, and your truth says that you love me right here the way that I am, that you love me with an everlasting love. I'm alone. I'm alone. I don't have any friends. I'm alone. I'm alone. No, the truth is that you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that even when you're sleeping, he takes the night watch, and that you can never be separated from the love of Jesus Christ, ever. Nothing can separate you from the love. Nothing can take you from his hand. See, this is the truth. But to even recognize that you have these voices speaking to you about self-rejection, about hating yourself, all these kinds of things. And the Lord goes, you cannot think thoughts that I don't think about you. And you need to detach and not partner with those thoughts anymore. Um, This is how those giants get to stay in that portion and land with you and vex you and poke you and poke your eyes, you know. Um, So I hope that those are tools that you guys start to understand. It's real simple. 
um, how, what to, to, to do, the answer and the antidote is very simple. It's already been provided for you. It's not complicated. You don't need to go to some Himalayan mountain and eat a blue flower and, you know, eat a piece of rice and, you know, I don't know, sit cross, like, whatever, 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 whatever you know, like, uh, no. Um, you just have to actually live on purpose. And what people don't like is my life is your fault. And because of Jesus and the cross, he goes, no, I've given you everything back. I've empowered you. You are now actually my daughter. And everything that you need, I've already given it to you. And then I'm going to help you. And I give you my spirit. And I give you the word. And I give you a community. And I'm changing your mind. And I'm renewing you. And my mercies are new every day. And I will never leave you or forsake you. I mean, he goes on and on and on and on and on. And he goes, and all I ask is that you just take one step with me. And then when we're ready, we'll take another step into the land. (laughs) And another. And it's forgiveness, repentance. That's it. I mean, it's pretty amazing, but it's actually doing that. It's doing it. It's catching those things. It's starting to learn. It's starting to say, I'm going to take responsibility for for me and and what you have given me to do in walking those things out and watch the abundant, the torrents of living water start to come up in you that you've heard about. The rest that comes over the mind, the emotions that you can actually physically feel in your body no matter what's even going on around you, when you start going connected to the truth and the Lord and his spirit in you. And like, I mean, it's amazing. And it's for each and every one of you. And if you're hearing a voice telling you that it's not for you right now, start telling that voice what to do. No, I won't listen to you anymore. Get out in Jesus' name. I won't listen to those thoughts anymore. I won't dwell. I won't let those thoughts become part of my long-term memory. And then the long-term memory ones where you have had those thoughts for a long time, you start bringing them to the Lord. He's more powerful than anything that the enemy has tried to do, even in your generations. And this is when, you guys, we start to break those things for the next generation, for your kids, your grandkids that you don't have, you know, whatever. We affect one another, okay? So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for empowering your bride um, to mature, to grow, to know the ways of the enemy, but to also, Lord God, know everything that you have given so that we can kick those squatters out of our land and take the portion that you have given to us step by step, Lord God. Like right now, I just pray that no one would be overwhelmed in this room, but that they would let hope arise in them, that, Lord, you have given them what they need. You've given them a community. You've given them your spirit. You've given them the truth. Lord God, you love each and every one of us. And your, your love, it's, it's true. Love conquers all, the love of Jesus. You've already gone before each and every one of us and give us the faith and, and we choose to follow you and take one next step into the promised land that you have for each and every one of us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so I want you guys to go over, just like, just let it sink in what is on those sheets and then take those home. We made it so you can all have one. So you've got tools that you can bring home with you. All right, God bless you.